Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addresses the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Of course, we all want to see different Vladimir here in The Hague. The one who deserves to be sentenced. Plus a look at what brings Iranian and Ukrainian women together in the streets of London. Recently, the city witnessed Ukrainian flags waving together with historical Iranian flags as demonstrators protested the war and the Iranian government. And later in the program, a conversation with the foreign minister of the Czech Republic. Today is Star Wars Day, Thursday, May the 4th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. On Thursday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky visited the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Of course, we all want to see different Vladimir here in The Hague. The one who deserves to be sentenced for these criminal actions right here in the capital of the international law. And I'm sure we will see that happen when we win. And we will win. President Zelensky said that Russian President Vladimir Putin must be brought to justice for Moscow's war in Ukraine, calling for the creation of a war crimes tribunal separate to the International Criminal Court. The aggressor must fear the full power of justice, only him. Yet, this is our historical responsibility of the modern generation to make the total punishment for aggression inevitable to prevent the aggression against our country and also new wars. There are potential aggressors in the world, and the world must see justice to see peace fully, fully secured. But only one institution is capable of responding to the original crime, the crime of aggression. A tribunal. Tribunal, not something hybrid that can formally close the topic, not some compromise that will allow politicians to say that the case is allegedly done, but a true, we need true, true, full-fledged tribunal, true and full justice. An act of aggression is defined by the U.N. as the invasion or attack by the armed forces of a state on the territory of another state or any military occupation. The ICC, which is based in The Hague and which Zelensky visited earlier in the day, has already issued an arrest warrant for Putin for the suspected deportation of children from Ukraine, but it does not have jurisdiction over alleged crimes of aggression and the European Commission, among others, has already brought its support for the creation of a separate international body that would be set up in The Hague to investigate and prosecute the crime of aggression. Major legal and practical questions remain about how such a court would be legitimized, either by a group of countries supporting it or with approval from the UN General Assembly, 
Additionally, Russia is not a member of the ICC and already rejects its jurisdiction. Russia denies committing atrocities during its conflict with Ukraine, which it terms a special operation to demilitarize its neighbor. As we heard on Wednesday's program, Russia has accused Ukraine of a failed attempt to assassinate President Putin in what Moscow said was a drone attack on the Kremlin. President Zelensky said Kyiv had nothing to do with the reported incident. Reuters' Zachary Goldman reports. Russia on Wednesday accused Ukraine of a failed attempt to assassinate President Vladimir Putin in a drone attack on the Kremlin and vowed revenge. Kyiv denied any role in the alleged strike. Video appears to show a flying object nearing the Kremlin's domed spires before exploding. Reuters has been unable to verify the footage. The Kremlin said Russia reserved the right to retaliate, and Russian hardliners demanded swift retribution against Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. In a statement, the Kremlin said, quote, two unmanned aerial vehicles were aimed at the Kremlin as a result of timely actions taken by the military and special services with the use of radar warfare systems. The devices were put out of action. It said fragments of drones were scattered in the Kremlin grounds, but there were no injuries or damage. Putin himself was safe. At a news conference with leaders of Scandinavian nations in Helsinki on Wednesday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky denied his country tried to kill the Russian president and suggested going after Putin was the job of an international court. You know, I, I can repeat, repeat this message and I think it will at least will be understandable for, for everybody. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. Are we fight on, on our territory. We are defending our villages and cities. We don't have, you know, enough weapon for this. That's why we don't use it any, anywhere. For, for us, that is the deficit. We, we can't spend it. And we didn't attack Putin. We leave it to tribunal. Wednesday's purported strike is not the first time Moscow accused Kiev of launching drones into territory it controls since Russian forces invaded Ukraine more than a year ago. Last week, the Russian-installed mayor of Sevastopol in Russian-occupied Crimea blamed a fire at a fuel depot on a Ukrainian drone strike. Ukraine typically declines to claim responsibility for attacks on Russia or Russian-annexed Crimea, though Kiev officials have frequently celebrated such attacks with cryptic or mocking remarks. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Wednesday said he cannot validate Russia's accusation that Ukraine tried to assassinate Putin in a drone attack, and added he would take anything coming from the Kremlin with a, quote, large shaker of salt. That's Reuters' Zachary Goldman reporting. President Zelensky was in Helsinki on Wednesday and The Hague on Thursday. For an update on what he's doing, we turn to Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. Yesterday he visited Finland. It was quite symbolic considering that Finland is the latest country to join NATO and uh, NATO country which has the longest border with Russia. So uh, he was uh, meeting with uh, with the top officials and uh, they discussed Ukrainian uh, security and defense uh, of the region and uh, and support for Ukraine in its defense uh, of its land against Russian uh, aggression. Uh, and today uh, he is visiting the Netherlands and particularly International Criminal Court uh, and uh, probably uh, the main phrase that uh, everyone uh, is quoting right now is that uh, when he entered uh, during his speech in, in the criminal court, he said that 
everyone wants to see different Volodymyr here, um, meaning that everyone uh, w- wants to see um, Volodymyr Putin, not uh, not as much him. So his discussion um, in the Netherlands and in The Hague in particular was uh, again ab- about the defense and about the future counteroffensive, but most importantly, uh, putting Russia to justice. And uh, this is particularly what was discussed and the tribunal for President Putin and for uh, Russian top officials who will have to take responsibility for these actions. Now, and it was also a busy night in Kyiv, um, all over Ukraine. There was more shelling overnight. We understand there weren't any casualties, but still a sense of dread and fear. Can you tell us what it's like in, in Kyiv these days? Uh, yeah, luckily, this attack, uh, this was another attack, I, th- I think it's third night in a row, or even fourth night in a row, that uh, Ukraine has a sleepless night, and the air raid alarm starts just in the middle of night, and people wake up of either explosions or or the sound of a- air alarm a siren. And uh, it is very, you know, you're getting tired of this, definitely. I can say from my personal feeling, uh, it was my third night waking up of a sound of explosion just in the middle of the night. And, uh, of course, uh, it creates, you know, this uh, general, general, uh, generally feeling of tiredness and, uh, uh, and kind of... Um, uh, overwhelming, uh, even even if if there are no casualties reported, still you're you know over the night you're sitting and uh, reading the news and trying to uh, find out uh, if it's already safe to go back to sleep or you have still to you know wait and uh, check um, if there are any uh, additional explosions and uh, heats uh, happening. So. Uh, I should say that uh, it looks like Russia is trying to terrorize the country, terrorize the civilians, because um, creating, you know, such attacks over the night, during the night is something, it's a latest update from Russian uh, forces. So previously it was a long pause um, uh, in, in, in these attacks. So, yeah, it creates certain tiredness. Anna Chernikova in Kiev. Anna, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you, Steve. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Ukrainian and Iranian women living in London are finding a common cause, joining in regular protests against Russian expansionism and what they say is the tyranny of the Iranian government. Marcus Harton narrates this report from Umberto Aguiar in London. London is the scene of frequent protests. Recently, the city witnessed Ukrainian flags waving together with historical Iranian flags as demonstrators protested the war and the Iranian government. U.S. officials said Iran is Russia's top military backer in the war. Iranian protesters want Tehran to stop supporting Russia. Ukrainian women are organizing weekly protests in London. Anna, one of the founders of Women Fight for Ukraine, is a corporate lawyer in London. We actually draw a big parallel between Russians and how they didn't stand against their government when their government chose to attack Ukraine brutally. We are together with Iranians who support freedom and democracy as opposed to Russian and Iranian alliance of terror. 
Kisnia manufactures teddy bears, but is finding it difficult to continue her work after the war started. Talking about home brings tears to her eyes. Uh, what I miss my country uh, the most, yeah? Yes. Um, in Ukraine, I miss the most... No. <laughs> Unlike the soldiers back home, the demonstrators here don't carry guns. They don't wear uniforms. They fight on a different front, and their weapons are their fundraising, their voices, and their protests. Solomia fled her home and is now working in a London hospital. In Ukraine, she was a music teacher and an opera singer. Her father, Sergei, was also an opera singer until he volunteered to join the Ukrainian army. Now, Sergei Haverlov sings opera while digging a trench with other Ukrainian soldiers. As my father fighting in the military now, I realized that I can fight here for my freedom, for my country, because here we can go to the protests, we can, we can I can sing. And by singing, by, by donating, by doing the protests, we all can fight in some way for our freedom, for our country. Ukraine, despite the full-scale invasion by Russia, has not perished, and neither has its desire to keep its freedom. The people of Ukraine and Iran, here in London, hold hands as they push for a better future at home. For Umberto Aguiar in London, Marcus Harton, VOA News. Is Ukraine ready to join NATO and the EU? Natalia Churikova of VOA's Ukrainian service speaks with Jan Lepovsky, the foreign minister of the Czech Republic. Minister Lepovsky, welcome to Voice of America. I would like to ask you about Ukraine, because this is something that is on everybody's mind, not only Ukrainians at this, mind, at this moment. Today, when you met uh, State Secretary Blinken, you talked about Ukraine also, about your support of Ukraine, your country's support of Ukraine, also about the uh, refugees. You, you, the Czech Republic has received about 500,000 of Ukrainians uh, and helped them. Uh, but on the other hand, you see there are a lot of people now saying that Ukrainians are taking the resources from the Czech Republic, uh, which could be used in, in the internally. What do you answer to those people? So, uh, first of all, um, during our meeting with Secretary Blinken, I thanked him very much for all the support U.S. is providing uh, for European security, for Ukraine security. And, uh, you know, uh, this is uh, the, the in regard of of uh, the Czechia's help for Ukraine or Ukrainians uh, fleeing to Czechia. This is a total nonsense. Uh, first of all, we are human beings and we want to uh, show solidarity. And it was not a. It, uh, the, the, the Ukrainians didn't choose to flee their homes. Uh, it was the Russian army and Putin who started to put in, uh, dropping bombs on their house, so they had to flee. So uh, this is the situation. So we also should not closing eyes uh, in, uh, before that. And um, I would like to say that we allowed, we welcomed Ukrainians with open arms. We provided them with all necessary means from housing to access to healthcare, and also uh, it was mostly they are mostly women with 
childs, so childs are attending to schools, and women are working. So we have a lot of people working and helping our economy, and definitely they are not uh, any, any burden for our society or, or economy. Mm -hmm. Well, Czech Republic was also one of the most active countries in mm. supplying Ukraine with the weapons. Yes. How long do you think you will be able to supply Ukraine? And uh, How how long do you think the the alliance would be able to supply Ukraine? Until Ukraine wins, because uh, because we need Ukraine to fully restore its territorial integrity in borders from 1991, including Crimea. And once the Crimea will be liberated, it will be serious blow to Russian imperialism, which uh, which we need to get rid of because it is what endangers uh, European security. What about the membership for NATO in NATO for Ukraine? I think uh, we need to be seriously debating that. It won't happen overnight, but one day uh, I think uh, I think we should be ready for that and we should be working on that too. Mm -hmm. What will be the position of the Czech Republic on the Vilnius summit? Uh, we don't know what will be the results of Vilnius summit right now. It's being negotiated. There will be the ministerial, uh, NATO ministerial in Oslo, uh, where we will dis uh, discuss um, progress on this on this agreement. Definitely, it won't be NATO membership for Ukraine, but uh, we should be politically ready to show a sign that we are seriously thinking about the that the Europe needs a new security framework and being Ukraine in NATO uh, should be seriously considered. President Zelensky asks for security guarantees. What kind of guarantees could could there be for Ukraine? I think the best guarantee for, for Ukraine is to be providing them practically with all necessary means which they need for uh, to be able to defend from Russian imperialistic invasion. Uh, now there is a lot of discussion about providing ammunition, so I absolutely agree that we need to be looking for ways how to provide ammunition for, for Ukraine army, for example. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about the uh, uh, negotiations, negotiation, negotiated solution for the, mm. for the war in Ukraine. And on the other hand, you say that without the international tribunal, we cannot really come out of this war. The, the, the result of the war will not be final. How, can you, how compatible are these two statements? Um, you know, we don't know how the war in Ukraine will end, but we know that it will end because every war ends with some kind of deal and diplomatic solution. Uh, the question is under which conditions? And I always repeat that it must be solution with which Ukraine will agree. It cannot be dictated from outside. It cannot be deal which will be decided without Ukraine. It would be a great mistake, grave mistake. I think we have seen such a situation repeatedly in a history. It didn't pay off to do deals about someone without being at the table and agreeing with, with that. Um, of course, um, now I think we need to change the facts on the ground. I think Ukraine needs to fully liberate its territory. You know, if Russia decided that the uh, Russian army would leave, they could decide it so. Uh, it's mm -hmm. the Russians' decision that they, with the whole, they are trying to hold territory which they stole from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. What about the European Union in, uh, membership for Ukraine? Will 
uh, in case of the Czech Republic and others, the NATO membership preceded the European Union membership. Do you see the same sequence on, in Ukraine, or it can be a, a, a I don't. I don't see any specific pattern which would be uh, applied here. I think Ukrainians, as a nation, as a people, made a decision that they don't. They want to be part of Western civilization. They want to be part of Western society. That they don't want to be part of Russian colonial empire called Russia Federation nowadays. It used to be Soviet Union. It used to be Russian Empire. So they don't want to be part of this. They don't want to be ruled from Moscow. Um, and uh, to fulfill that, of course, it's not only NATO membership, but also about the membership in the EU, which is not easy thing to achieve, actually, because the EU is a union uh, based on rule of law. It's a common market. It's a common movement of people. A lot of, lot of bureaucracy, actually. And to be a member of the EU, you need to fill up a lot of norms and a lot of paperwork and, and align your laws. But it pays off because then you are the member of the biggest economic bloc in the world. The EU is also a peace project, which maybe we should be repeating more and more. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the members of the EU are not waging war on each other, uh, which not used to be like that in Europe before the EU was there. So I fully understand why Ukrainians want to be part of the EU and we are helping them as much as possible. Um, I am calling for the negotiations to start as soon as possible, but still those are negotiations. Then, you know, the thick thick uh, formulas are opened and you cross out, you know, if you fulfill all those things. So we should start this process. And, and Zelensky is in a position to transform Ukraine in a such way. So I think we should give him this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Lipovsky, for talking to Voice of America. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. Yulian Dilboga is an American high school student whose mother is an immigrant from Ukraine and whose father is of Ukrainian heritage. After Russia invaded, he wanted to help, so he started collecting warm socks for Ukrainian soldiers. Nina Vishneva has the story narrated for us today by Anna Rice. Every morning, Yulian Dlyaboha arrives at his Manhattan school an hour before classes start, joining classmates and teachers to help Ukrainian soldiers by sending them warm socks. There's going to be over 300, I'd say, in the, in the school, yeah. It all started with a photograph. I showed Yulian a picture where a soldier in the trenches is warming his feet over a makeshift candle. The picture shook Yulian. His mother, Oksana, moved to the U.S. from Ukraine many years ago and works as an interpreter. Yulian still remembers the day he learned about Russia's invasion. I was getting ready to go to sleep, and then I saw on CNN that war has broken out, shots were fired into Ukraine. And then that's when it really hit me. Socks have been among the most urgently needed items for soldiers, no matter the season. So they became the focus of Yulian's efforts. Administrators at Yulian's high school have joined his cause and donated over 200 pairs of socks. After Yulian is done with classes for the day, he sends messages to sock manufacturers asking for donations. He has a clear goal in mind. I want to go back to my mother's hometown and look at all the things that she has there, open the door once again, look at the apple tree in the yard, and open up my mother's photo album just to see my mom's baby pictures again. 
All the socks collected, more than 700 pairs so far, will be sent first to Poland and then to Ukraine. There, one of Julian's mother's childhood friends is fighting and will help distribute the socks to other soldiers. Julian says he will keep sending them as long as the war lasts. Fonina Vishnyova in New York, NRI's VOA News. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. This is the voice of America. Washington, Papa, Zip, D.C.